0: So, okay, let's get into the text. Proverbs chapter 1. I, I was thinking winter had left us when I wrote this uh, a few days ago. Um, in fact, tomorrow my son has a baseball game in Octorera, which is like forever away. We might as well just go to the beach. Um, <laughs> and it, and it's it's going to be 40 degrees and windy and blustery, so I told him I'm staying home. So... Um, but now that f- winter has finally left us, how many of you are planning a trip over the next few months? Somewhere, okay. Uh, if you've traveled before, you probably realize the amount of preparation that goes into the journey. And you have also realized that no matter the amount of preparation that you put into it, there are always going to be things that are unknown that come up. Last year, our family uh, traveled to Florida for a few weeks. And my wife is a planner, and we have a list that she prints out that has all the things that we normally bring, and we just systematically go through that list. We add to it as we go and think, oh, right, we need that too, and she checks off the list. We we brought our dog with us, so that also brought, you know, not only the dog food and the things that the dog needs, but we had to put Rooney on the list so we didn't forget her, <laughs> so... Um, The looks that she gives are priceless up here. I I wish you could see what I see. (laughs) Um, I'm in so much trouble. Um, But the one thing that we couldn't plan for when we put our list together was um, I I think like a a couple days before we were planning to leave, I changed the windshield wipers on my van and I didn't put the arm down when I took the old blades off and I needed a new windshield. So thankfully, we got that taken care of. But some of you love to travel, reaching new destinations, visiting familiar places that have formed memories in your mind and heart. Uh, Some, though, like my son Levi, likes to stay at home all the time. Like, it, it takes an act of Congress to get him to go anywhere. But whether you go somewhere or whether you stay put, we are all on a journey headed somewhere. Every one of us is on a path. Every one of us is headed in a direction. Even when we feel stuck or trapped, we're still in motion. Now, it's been said that life is a journey. And the end of it all is not just a place, but it's a condition of the heart. It's not just where we're headed, but it's what's going on inside of us as we are headed there. Now we are becoming the end of our journey. We are becoming the end of our journey, whether it's wise or foolish. And every moment of life takes us closer there. Now, often in travel, if you travel by car, at least, we come across options along a road, an interstate, uh, for exits. To take a different road traveled. Sometimes it's by choice. Sometimes it's by necessity. Uh, Sometimes maybe we don't really have a plan, and we just see all the options, and we think, well, today, maybe I'll just try this road. Now, if you know me you know that I tolerate at best. I tolerate at best driving through cities. It's not my first choice. And we sometimes hit areas like this. I- I'm pretty sure this is the Capital Beltway. We've actually driven on the Beltway before and somehow by God's providence, we ended up on the easy pass lane. Oh, is that Baltimore? Okay. Well, they have a beltway, too. (laughs) Uh And and we missed all the craziness. But here's the thing. When I see signs like this, I get a little anxious. Um, My kids know the look from mom when we're all in the car together. And, you know, there's directions to be listened to. And you're like, okay, I got to make sure I get off at this place at this time and this many miles. Mom gives the look. Like, guys, be quiet. And sometimes I turn the music down because I think that if there's no noise, I can read better. I I don't understand that. Do any of you do that? Okay, some of you do that. Okay, so you're not crazy. You're just like me. But what happens when the signs along the journey of our lives look like this? You know, when life hits you hard, when you need to take a detour, or there seems to be so many options in front of you, you don't know which one to take. Now, I can say with certainty that God has provided help for you. He has provided great help for you. And tucked into the pages of Scripture is this wonderfully practical and challenging book called Proverbs. Proverbs is divided up into 31 chapters. They are mostly written by one man, King Solomon. The Hebrew Bible titles the book, The Proverbs of Solomon. Now in 1 Kings 4.32, oh, I'm not going to sing a solo right now. Are those slides up, Jared? Yep. 1 Kings 4.32, we read, speaking of Solomon, he also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. This collection here in Scripture contains over 510 of Solomon's proverbs. Maybe the most important, I mean, this is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and for some reason God wanted to point our attention towards the 510 that we're going to come in contact with well not all of them but um, as we read it the word proverb itself means to be like so when you hear this word proverb that's in chapter 1 verse 1 the word proverb means to be like it's in this way that this book gives us concrete images of some of life's greatest challenges we're painting a picture when we read Proverbs, there's not a whole lot of deep theology like we spent in, in Romans chapter one through eight. We're talking about practical, concrete images of what life should look like for people that are seeking to be wise. Proverbs contains a gold mine of biblical truth. There is theology there, and we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks and months. But at its core, Proverbs answers the question, what do the righteous look like? And if it's righteousness that God is calling us to, not works righteousness, not trying to perform or behave a certain way, but when we receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ, what does it look like to live that out in our lives? Proverbs helps us answer that question. The reoccurring themes of Proverbs is that the wise generally live longer, are blessed by God, they experience joy, and they see the goodness of God. And conversely, you have the wise, and on the other side, you have the fool. The fool does not see the wisdom of God. They do not follow the wisdom of God. They suffer shame, disaster, suffering, and death. The book was mostly written by King Solomon, and it was compiled... um, many years later in its final written form as we have here. It was compiled by King Hezekiah. He lived about 250 years after Solomon. And we know that when Solomon became king of Israel, that he asked the Lord to give him wisdom. In First Kings uh, chapter 4, we read this, Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind, like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all along the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men than Ethan the Ezrahite, Haman and Chalcol and Darda, the sons of Mahol. and his fame was known in all the surrounding nations. Solomon was such a wise person that people sought him out to help with problems that they were facing. The way that he was able to process the world was through the lens of seeking wisdom. In fact, it's very likely, we don't know absolutely for sure, but it's very likely that Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And if he did write the book of Ecclesiastes, what is that book all about? It's a grand experiment of what life is like on the earth without God. And you see a man that was able to, to process what life is like if God is not present. What else do we know about Solomon, though? He was the wisest man for a period of time, but not for his whole life. Tragically, Solomon followed the desires of his flesh. So this is what we read in First Kings 4. Only seven chapters later in first Kings, we read this. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidian and Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, "You shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods." Solomon held fast to these in love. He had 700 wives. I don't know. Kelly, what does a tax uh, tax form look like if you have 700 wives? Yeah, okay. Yeah. He had 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord, his God as the heart of David his father had been. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidians, and after Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab, on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. Thus also he did for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. So the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Now it goes on to say that it wouldn't happen in Solomon's life. It would happen when his son would, would assume the throne. And what do we know in the rest of 1 Kings and the 2 Kings? As a result of his foolish activity, the kingdom of Israel was divided. And the people of God were eventually separated from their land. Now, you might say at this point, okay, if this is what this guy did that wrote these things, then why are we studying these things? Because he didn't even listen to them. Well, God wrote these things. And wisdom is still wisdom whether you believe it or not. There is still a path for us to follow. There is still help for the journey that is ahead. The other question is, wh- why should we be studying this book right now? I mean, if you've been with us for at least seven years, this is now the second time we've looked at Proverbs. I, I looked at my notes um, from 2015. Boy, that seems like forever ago, doesn't it? But I looked at my notes. I, I think we did uh, six or seven sermons over a month and a half, um, we we kind of set a quick foundation, and and then we looked at some thematic things in Proverbs. Um, today, beginning today, we're 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 going to look look a little deeper. Uh, not that we didn't go deep enough back then, but we're going to look at a. A deeper foundation because if we don't get wisdom, if we don't really understand the virtue of wisdom, if we don't really see what it means to walk in a way that pleases the Lord and why it is so beneficial for us, I could preach at you all of the Proverbs. I could read all of the 514 of the Proverbs that are contained in this book and tell you what they mean. But if you don't understand that at the root of that, the foundation is what it means to walk wisely in this world and what benefit that means as a child of god then you're going to leave here and say well that sounds good but what's the virtue what's the reward i mean really why would i want to do these things but if we see why god is calling us back again and again to wisdom and he holds it in contrast to the picture of what life is like when you are living foolishly, then I hope that our hearts are that much more encouraged to listen to God's voice. Because Proverbs is supremely practical. It's very accessible. But if we miss why we are called to do these things, then we're really not going to understand what God is trying to do in our hearts. As we put these things into place. Coupled with that. Is we desperately need practical advice to live today. If you're on social media. You can see very quickly. Why we need practical advice. To live today. If you turn on the news. You can see very clearly. Why we need practical advice to live today. Listen. Listen. Even outside of those things, there is a war of attention going on for what's seated in your heart. And we need to be called back again to what it means to live righteously in an unrighteous world. Because there are even people that care about us, but maybe they don't believe like us, that will give us wisdom but it might not be from God. And we need to be able to weigh the thoughts of men compared to the thoughts and heart of God to be able to live rightly in His eyes. We need these concrete images so that we know the road to take as the journey is taking us somewhere. Proverbs is good news for people that desperately need wisdom. Now one one commentator, and you can take issue with him, okay? I'm just quoting, right? Don't shoot the messenger. This is what he says about Proverbs. Proverbs is good news for bad people. It is about grace for sinners. It is about hope for failures. Okay, and you're thinking, okay, what am I taking issue at? This is what he says. It is about wisdom for idiots. That's what it is, right? Because if we're not walking in wisdom, and if we don't know what wisdom is, in fact, we don't know, right? Wisdom isn't something that naturally comes upon us. Wisdom is personified in Proverbs as someone that we pursue. And God knows that we need wisdom, and that wisdom can only come from Him in our chaotic lives of constant stop-start, stop-start, short attention span kind of mental habits. And I've talked about this before, but like, because of smartphone technology or tablets or high-speed internet or whatever, information seems to be at our fingertips. It's always around us. I, I i 've become a person that when i 'm watching a a movie that 's about history i 'll come across someone that 's mentioned, and I immediately during the movie i 'll go to my phone and say, "Okay, who is this person, and when did they live, and how long did they live, and what did they do and I try to get the backstory of all this thing, and all the while i 'm missing the movie right in front of me because I think well it'll only take a second to look at this, and you know you know the danger of going down the rabbit hole of information on the internet, right? You read one thing, and then you're like, oh, wait, that? And then you start reading that thing, and an hour later, you're learning how to build a boat, and all you were doing was watching a movie about, you know, something completely different. I mean, it's crazy. And information is coming at us that fast that we want these bite-sized morsel kind of, what do I do? What does this mean? How do I respond but the problem is not just that we are fidgety and distracted. I mean, you've only been sitting listening to my sermon for about twelve minutes now, but I know what it's like, right? To sit there and think, "Okay, can you, can you get on with it?" We don't we don't know how to rest and be silent. But the problem is, uh, coupled with our distractedness and being fidgety, is that our information, however much we have, is not the basis for life if it doesn't come from God. We need Jesus to rescue us from our information and even from our knowledge. We need Jesus to counsel us with a new yet ancient wisdom. If we allow Jesus to speak and God our hearts, we will then live. And that's what's at stake here as you read Proverbs. It's not just about doing a bunch of things so that you can have God's blessing. What's at stake is if you pursue wisdom it will lead you to life. Not just life forever, but abundant life here. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just make it through this life, hanging on, looking forward to heaven, thinking, can I just get there? If Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly, and he did, then why would we settle for anything less? Why would we feebly, foolishly walk through this world when we have practical wisdom right in front of us and ignore it? When Jesus can set our hearts on fire for Him and bless us beyond measure. Now, the book itself begins with nine chapters of setting a foundation for wisdom. And we're going to look at the majority of these chapters. We want to set that foundation so that when we get to the short proverbs that we have a better understanding of how they fit. Today we're going to look at the first verses of Proverbs 1. And it really is a clear summary of where we're headed. This is what Solomon writes in the first 7 verses of Proverbs 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and, and instruction. And so as stated, these are the proverbs of Solomon. The son of David, king of Israel now we have proverbs in the English language there are proverbs that exist in culture an English proverb may be a short saying of practical truth like an apple a day it's better to be safe actions speak louder you catch more flies with honey than with don't judge a book The early bird catches. Right. So we have proverbs, short little sayings that convey a truth and some kind of picture. But a biblical proverb offers more than common sense. A biblical proverb shares a model representing some aspect of our daily lives. Bible professor Bruce Watke rightly said this The world says, live and learn. God says, learn and then live. That's what Proverbs is all about. We sometimes think, you know what? We just got to go through the school of hard knocks. God is saying, whoa, slow down. Don't go through the school of hard knocks. Learn from me and live it. And you won't have to go through all of those frustrations. Now, I realize sometimes we think, well, hey, we've got to figure it out ourselves. And maybe some of you have learned the hard way of what it means to try to figure things out themselves. But God in His grace is entering in and He's saying to us, hey, just trust me. And if you listen to my words, it's going to be good for you. And so Solomon is calling us to wisdom. In these verses, in verses 1 through 7, it's really found in verse 2 itself, there's two main goals for Proverbs that, that is set for the rest of the study. Verse 2 says, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. The first goal is that the book of Proverbs would develop in us deep character. Deep character. And the second is straight thinking. To be able to think rightly in a world that doesn't think rightly about the way and the things that God wants us to think about. Listen, there's a lot of smart people in the world, but there's a difference between being intelligent and being wise. And God is calling us to wisdom. Verses 3 and 4 support the idea of the character development that God is seeking in us as we know and apply the Proverbs contained. The question is, if God wants us to know wisdom, then first, what is wisdom? Now, you've heard me say, wisdom is the application of knowledge. In a very simple way, wisdom is the ability to take in the information, the knowledge of what we know about God and his world and what it means to be in a relationship with him and to put it into practice. But I'd like to dig a little deeper on that statement. In the meaning of the Hebrew word for wisdom is the idea of skill and expertise, The word wisdom is used in the Old Testament to describe the people that adorned the tabernacle. Like what they did, they did it with wisdom or the similar word of wisdom. And what was Moses trying to paint in our minds a picture of? That they did it with skill and beauty. And what they were able to accomplish was exactly what God desired. Wisdom is the competence that understands how life really works and how to achieve successful results. How many of you want to succeed in life? Okay, some of you do. The rest of you, I'll pray for you. (laughs) Proverbs helps us to succeed in life. It, It helps us to seek wisdom. Wisdom asks the hard questions about life and understands God's answers. You know, sometimes we ask the questions not knowing what the answer is going to be, but I would say a lot of the time we avoid asking God the questions because we already know what the answer is. And we reject wisdom. We reject His instructions. Solomon begins Proverbs by saying that the way to life begins with knowing wisdom and instruction. Now, we don't naturally like this word used for instruction. It's the same word that is used for discipline. It's the same exact word. How many of you like being disciplined? Right. Now, I'm not not getting in line for that. But I think, okay, let me back up. I know that sometimes God's greatest care towards us is revealed in the discipline that He permits in our lives. God doesn't punish His children. He disciplines them. He corrects them. And Sometimes He has to do it a little firmer in some moments than he does in other moments. The author of Hebrews says that those whom the Father loves, he disciplines, and that comes from Proverbs. Proverbs reveals the truth we know in our hearts. Now, we're not born wise, and so we need correction, we need discipline, and to be corrected isn't the most fun, but it's a humble position. It's a position that admits we were thinking wrong about this. God, by his grace, has shown us the better way. And so we see the goal of Proverbs is to know wisdom and instruction and to discern the sayings of understanding. We're going to get back to that second part in a few minutes. But verses 3 and 4 support this idea, this desire that God has for us to know wisdom and instruction. Verse 3 says, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. Verse 3 is written from the perspective of the learner of wisdom, the student. The person that is sitting at the feet of Lady Wisdom as Proverbs personifies her. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. Now, to receive this, and that's really the key of the verse, the word receive is the key that unlocks the door to the way of wisdom. You have to receive it. Did someone ever give you advice before and you didn't receive it? Oh, sure. I know I have. People have told you, hey, slow down, or watch out, or hey, rather than trying that, why don't you do this? And when you don't receive wisdom and you just plow ahead in your own understanding, what usually happens? You crash. The key to living a life that pleases God begins with your ability to humble yourself and receive God's truth so that you know for sure that what He is saying really does apply to your life, and if you follow it, it will lead you on the path of blessing. To receive help and guidance is the ultimate act of humility, realizing we do not have it all figured out, but we know who does. And verse 4 is not written from the perspective of the student of wisdom. Verse 4 is written from the perspective of the teacher to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. So that word in verse 4 that I, I just read, it might be a word that you don't use a lot in your vocabulary, but it's the word prudence. Solomon says that there's a responsibility for the wise to teach, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. This word prudence is associated with wisdom, but it can also be translated as it is other places in Scripture shrewdness. And I like that translation of this word. What is shrewdness? It's a good kind of cunning. It's being able to discern. It's being able to look at a situation and position yourself, not in a sinful way, not in a way to bring harm, but to look at a situation that seems out of sorts and put yourself in a position where you can excel and succeed. Shrewdness are tactics that succeed when life is on the line. Now, the second aspect is found in the dispensing of knowledge and discretion. The teacher needs to dispense knowledge and discretion. Knowledge are truths that help us to understand that there is a link between what we do and the consequences that come from it. You realize that, right? Every choice you make has a consequence, whether good or bad. And sometimes the choices you make not only have immediate consequences, but those consequences have other consequences, whether good or bad. Wisdom calls us to be able to understand that and to help people see that. And that's why, you know, as a parent, that's been one of the most challenging things about being responsible for two children that are trying to figure out life. To help them to see that their choices have consequences, whether good or bad. Discretion, as Solomon says, carries the idea of deep character that cannot be fooled. This is the character that God wants us to develop as we study this book. Now tucked in the middle of this discussion of wisdom is verse five: "A wise man will hear an increase in learning and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel." This is really a parenthetical statement urging even the wise to what? Keep growing in wisdom. Keep growing in wisdom. You never stop growing. Never. Children, look at me. Yeah, I know. They're like, what are you going to say? I even need to grow in wisdom. Like, that's the thing. We never get to the place where we've arrived and said, I have it all figured out. But what do we often do as we get older in life? We live as if we have it all figured out. We plateau. We stop growing and and learning and and understanding that maybe what we thought needed refinement. And we listen and we see how it applies. All of us have room to grow in our understanding of wisdom and life. The mark of a wise heart is that they are growing in wisdom and knowledge of God's world and how to live in a way that pleases Him. Tragically, Solomon didn't listen to his own words. The same guy that said verse five that was recorded, "A wise man will hear an increase in learning." Solomon got to the point where he said, "You know what? I would rather follow my lusts, my desires, my flesh, than to live that way." And he experienced tragic consequences, and his consequences had more consequences as the kingdom that God wanted to establish was ripped apart. Now, verse 6, to understand a proverb and a figure to the the words of the wise and their riddles highlights the second goal of straight thinking. God wants us to be able to think straight, to have a good head on our shoulders, to be able to process things, to discern the sayings of understanding. And that's what he said in verse 2. Now, this means that the non-obvious becomes obvious to us, to be able to discern the sayings of understanding, that the things that we, we weren't sure about before, we're now sure about because we're growing in wisdom. It's a maturing. It's what Solomon said in verse 5 of growing in wisdom. Wisdom. Verse 6 gives us insight into this maturing process. It's the ability to understand these statements that to the immature seem far off. Have you ever seen that in your life? As a believer of Jesus, you're living a certain way, making decisions a certain way, seeking to please God a certain way, and the unbelieving world, maybe even people you're close to you, looks at you and says, you're crazy. Why would you ever do that? Why would you ever believe that? Why would you ever put your trust not just in a resurrected savior but practically live out what he said that long ago i mean how on earth would that apply today that's how an unbelieving world is looking at the believing church but solomon says it's the way of wisdom maturity means we understand the words of the wise and their riddles The word riddle means a puzzle that is unclear and needs interpreting. It's not some kind of mysterious thing. We just need help. Now imagine being able to sit at a conversation that's taking place between Isaiah and Solomon and Moses and Joseph and Abraham. The Apostle Paul and Peter Men later on in the early church, like Augustine and Luther, just like they're all sitting and talking about life. And you're able to sit and listen in to wisdom being put on display. As you overhear their words, you may not understand everything at first, but if you listen long enough, what begins to happen? The pieces start fitting together. And you're like, oh, right, that makes sense. And that's the dangerous thing about seeking wisdom. Because beginning early on in the process of seeking wisdom, you read some things or hear some things like, that's not going to work. But the way of wisdom is to lean in and to sit longer and to trust. And so I say to our teenagers in this room right now, I hope you're listening. I hope you've been listening. This book is supremely practical for you as you're beginning to to put life together in your own mind, in your own way. That you're going to have to start owning the choices that you make more and more in life. And then over the next few years, you're going to be making big decisions about what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Maybe where you're going to go to school, what you're going to study, where you're going to live, who you're going to date, who you will marry, What you'll do with your finances? What you'll do with your time? What will you invest yourself in? Who will you allow to be in your sphere of influence? Proverbs answers all of these questions in a very clear way. And if you're a young person or a younger person, can I just say, I'm probably halfway through my life right now, Lord willing. It is better to listen to God's word first than to learn the hard way. His words lead to life. And he's helping you to find that life. The fool is one who rejects wise counsel and listens to the world in their heart. Now, verse 7 is really the summary theme of the whole book. Verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, one thing we need to understand is the way that Hebrew poetry is written. And, and that's what we're reading here in, in many ways, Hebrew poetry. Hebrew, Hebrew po- poetry forms an A line and a B line. Like, it, it's coupled together. The A line is the statement, and the B line clarifies that statement. So what's the A line say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the the truth. That's the statement. The B line follows. It clarifies the truth. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the key word in the B line is despise. It means to be uh, a person of contempt or being aloof. What does a fool say? A fool says, I don't need to hear that. I don't need to learn. I don't need to listen. I have it figured out. Or a fool also says this. I don't have time for it. I'm too busy. I'll figure it out. Do you see how it's both? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And how do they despise it? By saying that they're either too smart or too busy, or that what they're going through really isn't that big a deal. If Proverbs calls us to a higher plane of living, which is righteous living, then a fool is the one who fills. They have no need to pursue righteousness. But the entryway into wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. This phrase is found at least 18 times in the book. The fear of the Lord. To fear God does not mean to be afraid of Him. To fear God means to be open towards Him. And it's a willingness to turn from evil and to change as we measure all the things that He has said in our lives and we submit ourselves to His will. To fear God is an affectionate reverence that results in humbling, humbly bowing our knees and our hearts to the Father's will. At the heart of wisdom and fearing God is that we do not want to sin against Him because He alone is holy. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge starts with God and then it moves towards us. It starts with Him. Knowledge doesn't start with us. There is only one God of truth and it starts with Him and as it moves towards us, Solomon says there really is a great return. All of our problems came when we left God. Where did it all begin in the garden? When man thought that they could do a better job than God. When they thought that they had it all figured out and they really didn't need to listen, or they really even said, did God really say that? They thought they had it figured out. To fear the Lord is resting in the truth that God is the source of all truth. Now the journey for wisdom begins when we turn towards God. That's where it has to begin. It's not going to begin anywhere else. You can't leave here today and say, okay, my ability to turn towards wisdom is to put one truth that I hear every sermon into practice that week. That's not turning towards wisdom. Turning towards wisdom means that your heart is turned towards Jesus. The book of Proverbs is not a, just, not a list of just do's and don'ts. The book of Proverbs in a practical way points our affection to wisdom personified. And who is wisdom personified? The apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 1.30, But by doing, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Church, as we begin our journey in Proverbs, it begins with us seeing Jesus, who is the perfect picture of divine wisdom. Listen, God wants to help us. The treasures found in this book begin with the humble acknowledgement that we need his help. If you're making your way through life, your own journey, and you see the exit signs, And he's like, What do I do? Where do I turn? Hey, this feels all right. What does this mean? If you're overwhelmed with the pitfalls and seemingly endless choices, and you want to make sure that you make it to your destination safely, all you need to do is trust Jesus. That's where it is. It's very simple. You look to the cross. You see a wise man hanging there, dying in the place of fools like us. Why did he do it? He loves you. You may despise him, but Jesus does not despise you. You may act like you are above him, but he humbled himself for you. Look away from yourself and look towards the cross. And when you see him, I guarantee your pride will melt away. And you're not only going to worship, but you're going to begin to grow wise. Let's pray.